Warning, you are about to enter a world populated by the most appalling music ever made. Welcome to the search for the worst album of all time. This is Broken Records. But I hadn't been forgotten, I Joe. I'd been married a long time ago. Saint Bango. <laughs> a girl with kaleidoscope eyes. <laughs> You're beautiful. Hey, hey, I wanna be a rock star. Hello there, welcome to episode 51 of Broken Records. It's the solo podcast that went out on its own, did its own thing from the Riot Act Network. That's what we're calling it, it's the only other thing on the Riot Act Network. I don't know why, quite why it's a network, but hey, that's all internal stuff, which I should have been thinking rather than saying. My name's Stephen Hill, nice to see you. I'm joined as ever by Renfrey Deadman history's greatest monster how are you Renfrey? are you all right <laughs> i'm all right thanks that's, steve that's how you're going to go down because still continually two weeks after you wronged why not minute by the red hot chili peppers we still continue to get messages saying how great that record is and um just hammering home what a dope you are it's a good record I, I, it's I, a good record people are, are are saying stuff to me like i said it was like the worst thing ever i, I think it's got some great shit on it, it they just mm. they just keep they keep shooting themselves in the foot and it's annoying that's all but you know who do the people listening the red hot the red hot chili peppers the red hot chili peppers do yeah yeah for sure uh hey listen thanks for very much for listening like i say if you want to go and listen to me and renfrey talking about music we like uh we're on riot act the podcast which you can find at all your various podcast places every friday talking about the very best in alternative music but that's not what this podcast is this is where we try and find the worst album um as suggested by their reputation your suggestion their critical standing fan reaction the band themselves not liking the record there are many reasons why an album could find itself being pulled out of our hat full of shit and put into our list of the worst albums ever made of which we have 50 um i mean it's about to be 51 as this week we talk about the pigeon detectives we met see the fourth album from the leeds based indie band released on the 29th of april 2013 and i'm going to say before we go any further that uh, although this album was released on the 29th of april 2013 of course what we're going to do is something which we have done a fair bit in this podcast and that is go back to the mid-noughties indie landfill scene and pour over just what the fuck happened at that point. And I apologise if you're already going, oh no, you're going to do that thing again. We have made it slightly different. We have made it slightly different, but God, what a bad time for music that was. What a bad time. And actually, it's funny because, it's not funny actually, I was about to say it's funny because I had a reminder of how good other types of music were at that point because we're actually recording this the day after Sarah Harding from Girls Aloud passed away and I was like, Girls Aloud, a band who were fucking great from the mid-noughties absolutely fucking brilliant so it wasn't all i can't talk about the, the noughties like they're terrible but actually pop music and rock music and hip-hop and stuff had a great time mm. but it was just so dominated by bands like this mm. what just, a bloody what a time just very bland guitar pop stuff i mean we have done it all before and certainly when this came out of the hat last week there was a sort of feeling of like well you did your usual can we just chuck this back because is there anything (laughs) new for us to say um on this particular scene and uh and what's happened i'm not sure if there is to be honest i kind of feel like we said it all but keep listening uh but no we have there actually, is there is actually there some, is there is Don't some worry. stuff isn't there? Yeah, yeah there yeah, is yeah, yeah. i so, found a few other things yeah it's all good but before we get into that uh we should do the flop 20 the 20 albums that we have in our countdown which we consider to be the very worst 
thus far. And they go like this. Starting at number 20 with One More Light by Linkin Park, followed by Super Collider by Megadeth, Chamber Music by Cold Chamber, The Truth Is by Theory of a Dead Man, Slick Dogs and Ponies by Louis XIV, Queen and Paul Rogers with The Cosmos Rocks, Richard Ashcroft's United Nations of Sound, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band Original Soundtrack, Eorgan Quigg by Eorgan Quigg, Six Feet Under's Graveyard Classics Volume 2, Towers of London with Blood, Sweat and Towers, Hard to Swallow by Vanilla Ice, Cut the Crap by The Clash, Angelic to the Core by Corey Feldman, Philosophy of the World by The Shags, Total Zanarchy by Little Zan, Blood on the Dance Floor's Bad Blood, Methods of Mayhem by Methods of Mayhem, The True Symphonic Rockestra with the Concerto in True Minor, Double Wide by Uncle Cracker, and still number one, as ever, Broken Side. I'm not a fan, but the kids like it. I think that might have been 21 there, actually, wasn't it? Because I think I uh, didn't, move the, didn't move the 20. Maybe no, I just want to give fine. just point out that we don't like Linkin Park <laughs> again. Um, <laughs> Anyway, um, let's get on with it then. The Pigeon Detectives we met at sea. Renfrey, you know when you just know you hate a band? (laughs) Yeah, that. (laughs) You know when you just go, I know I hate this band. Don't have to listen to them. I just know that I hate them. I just absolutely, I don't actually have to have anything to do. I've never heard Glory Hammer have been in the news quite a bit recently. Hmm. Yeah. for uh things well confirming my um biased and um totally blind rage opinion of them (laughs) that they are terrible still haven't heard them no they're terrible don't need to hear glory hammer to know that i hate them which is lucky for me because it means i don't have to listen to them so sometimes your blind prejudice (laughs) can be right and i feel like oh good because I've never listened to the fucking Pigeon Detectives before. I don't want to know about them. I knew what they sounded like before they even started. They are mid noughties indie landfill. But without even really having the ability to get that big. Which was a fucking piece of piss during this period, <laughs> At that it? point, yeah. A piece of piss to get big. <laughs> you just need so to easy. shit on a guitar and uh, play it out, out of the PA at Reading and you'd be huge. Yeah, it was so easy for these <laughs> bands to have a hit and the Pigeon Detectives didn't. I listened to their two biggest songs on Spotify from their debut album, which are called Take Her Back and I Found Out. I didn't remember either of them, but crucially, Renfrey, crucially, I did utterly despise both of them. <laughs> so that's good, isn't it? Yeah, great start. Really, really good start. Mm. Um, your thoughts and memories on the pigeon detectives memories are very very few indeed um that thing you were saying about um just knowing that you hate a band before you even hear them it's funny because i try to go against that school of thought so often uh and sometimes you are surprised and you you know and that's a really nice feeling but especially as a review you kind of want to go into things with as little um bias one way or the other as possible um but it is annoying when you listen to a band like the Pigeon Detectives and they confirm all of those sort of negative assumptions you had about them before you've even pressed play on the record. Uh, mm. it, it makes my argument harder, <laughs> which is annoying. It does. It does. <laughs> but then, I don't know, maybe at some, some, sometimes you, you do just know. Maybe Sometimes just you do. Really, may, like, it's all right for us to do it because we're really good at our jobs so we can tell. <laughs> just by reading a name although saying that <laughs> i would have imagined i like trains to have been terrible and in yet fact they proved they you, proved me wrong well uh, the, the, so that's a that's a really good case in point i'm really glad you brought that one up because that's probably one of the best examples because i remember 
they were on the portals lineup and you you dug into their name quite a bit and then about a year later you have um, their latest album on your top 20 i believe so yeah, yeah you never I know own, i own it on vinyl and it's brilliant and yeah. they are a brilliant band they're fantastic and i have uh you know i guess i have to somewhat apologize to 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 i like trains but luckily for me because um, I don't ever like ad- admitting being wrong about anything. No. Um, I don't have to do that to the pigeon detective. No. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> don't need to do that, no. So I knew nothing of the pigeon detectives, nothing at all. So I went where all good journalists go to their Wikipedia page. <laughs> Stop revealing the process. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Shh, don't, don't tell anyone how you do good music journalism, by the way. Um so on the on their Wikipedia page they have two headings under history. One is band name. Mm. It says speaking about the band name, the drummer Jimmy Naylor said, I never liked the name at first, but it stuck and it's probably got us more attention having a silly name. The band were just discussing names and came up with the Pigeon Detectives. It became an in joke, but we thought nothing of it. But when it came to our first gig in Leeds, the promoter was saying, What's your name? And we were like, Oh, um, the Pigeon Detectives. Now, if you're getting a gig and you don't know what the name of your band is, <laughs> that shows to me a rather lacklustre approach, a rather slack approach to your craft, I would say, Renfrew. Already, the alarm bells would be ringing for me. If I heard a band decided to book themselves a gig and they couldn't even be bothered to think of just a word that they were going to a name like sort why why would you why i don't think you're wrong um but it's surprisingly common uh or i found it surprisingly common just sometimes when you read like rock biographies of like huge huge bands you know you sometimes find out that that is the they just had to come up with a name there and then um but you change it right you change it. You, you get a proper so. name. <clears throat> you think so. You don't go, oh, well, I've said it now. But I change think, it. I think sometimes it's kind of looking back and retrospectively changing it a bit because they were just like, well, we couldn't really be bothered. So we'll just invent a story where we had to settle with that one because we could never be bothered to come up with something better. Who knows? Well, there are other stories. When asked uh, by BBC Sound about the name, Jimmy Naylor, the drummer, said, Dave breeds pigeons and there's a pigeon that lives in a shed that's his special pigeon and this pigeon actually writes all the songs hilarious so they're so they're one of them one of those bands they're having a laugh aren't they (laughs) it's interesting how much you can tell about a band from their in jokes so you know the pigeon detectives was an in joke for this band which is like the most boring in joke i can think i mean i do get the fact you know the whole thing with in jokes is they are for the if they are for insiders they are for a group a small group who get them because of the experiences that they have had together and all that sort of thing but the pigeon detectives doesn't sound like a particularly hilarious joke to me but then you hear like because paranoid android was it no karma police karma police sorry by radiohead started out as a as a kind of in joke which was more of a kind of oh if someone's acting like a twat they just sort of say oh don't worry the karma police will catch up with them soon and that Mm. just that just means something it means something and it just screams to me like educated (laughs) do you know what i mean not that that makes it better necessarily i'm just saying it you can tell quite a lot about a band when when I think by their end what, jokes i think what it what it proves is when we spoke about like um the puff pastry hangman 
uh, on Brassite. Yes, we're bringing up Brassite again. <laughs> again. Like, there's something... We're not sponsored really, by Chris Morris, just to be clear. There's some, unfortunately, again, <laughs> happy to be. Um, again, there's something really kind of phonetically hilarious about the puff pastry hangman. Yes. Said in the manner that Chris Morris says it. And it's absurd and it's uh, surreal and it's all of those things like you get on the Mighty Boosh, but it's actually good. But the thing is, is those things, are not, they're not that easy to actually make funny. Yes. Not actually that easy. Like, you've got to have... People think you just say the word glue or wool at the end of, you know, naming some farmyard animals and, oh, I've got a, uh, I've got a horse made out of wool. And people well, will be like, oh, God, you're like Noel Fielding. It's a little bit more difficult than that, to I was, be honest. I was about to say, I mean, I, I'm not... I don't think... And I might be wrong, so do correct me if I'm wrong. But I, I don't think you're a massive Noel Fielding fan. But people do say this about Noel Fielding, don't they? Like the way that he does construct sentences and puts them together and just makes a bunch of random words sound funny. There is actually more of an art to it than mm. it seems. Like what you know, whether you like that style of comedy or not. Uh, and I don't mind it. I have to say, I don't mind Noel Fielding. I, I, I kind of feel like he needs to go away sometimes because he's around a lot. Um, but you know, it's it's it feels like a unique style to him and stuff like that, or unique enough. Um, but um, yeah, there is more to it than just putting a bunch of random words together in order for it to be funny. Uh, and yeah, the Pigeon Detectives just strikes me as a bunch of boring people talking about boring things. <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, there's also another story about the name when um, two of them are having Christmas dinner and they pulled a cracker and they found the name inside. Mm. I mean, what that that isn't true. No, <laughs> that's bullshit. It wouldn't just be like a thing going pigeon detectives inside a Christmas cracker. What in what context is that? That's not the sort of thing that you should be getting as a present. From a cracker on Christmas Day. No, exactly. Just a bit of paper that said pigeon detectives on it. It's complete nonsense. Is it a joke? What could be the punchline to that? Pigeon de- like, is that the setup or is it the punchline? Mm. What do you call a pigeon detectives? The, the, the cool customer. I don't know. There isn't anything. <laughs> um, oh, man. I really want to come up with that joke, though, now. Well, the thing is, is because you can't, because there isn't one there. <laughs> and I've really thought about it. And... That means they're lying about that. And then they've also said that it's, in fact, named after a 1970s French cartoon. Yes. Which sounds believable. Which, again, that's like, oh, God, everyone thinks we're idiots. Um, let's say it's from, <laughs> as you say, it's from something from the, from the past, from, an, from another country. <laughs> then, yes. Oh, look, aren't they well read? Don't they know about history? <laughs> Don't they know about French civilization and culture like no you don't you didn't know you are dicks and you just came up with a dick name for your dick band but that's the thing for your dick band but that's the thing if the um 1970s french cartoon thing were true then that would tell you something about the band as well wouldn't it as you were just sort of uh, saying so yeah i think it it says an awful lot that (laughs) about how boring this band is i'm looking at their entire wikipedia entry now and i would say an eighth of it is dedicated to the band's name that's how yes. boring a band they are yeah. it's just nothing so, and then the next bit talks about their appearances on well, hold on. 
Yeah. No, I know so you got... can go into it, but I just think that's so but they've funny. got as I said, they've got two headings under history. Band name and Soccer AM. Now, again, Renfrey, let's talk about Soccer AM for a second, shall we? Mm-hmm. The worst show. The absolute I know you don't like football, right? But it is the absolute worst show. People who like football broadly have abysmal taste in music and soccer am <laughs> is the worst the absolute worst brain dead football fan cack you like stella you like only fools and horses you like oasis you like Giggsy and rooney you like going to marbella on holiday <laughs> it's meant to be a football show with credibility and yet it has the word soccer in the title fuck off soccer am is hell it's it like they're trying to hell. troll people because i'm a I, you know I'm, I'm not a total philistine i'm aware of this football soccer thing um and I, I mean even i know that that is a really dumb thing to call your show if you don't want to piss off shitloads of english fans is it english or uk fans probably uk fans I know. the world everyone but america everyone like, but america, you're aiming okay. you're aiming soccer am america you think tim lovejoy is gonna crack america <laughs> Like he's fucking David Letterman. I don't think so. No. I mean, Soccer AM is a horrible television program. Horrible. Absolutely risible television program from the worst kind of... The, just the worst kind of people. I, 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 I despise Soccer AM. I hate it. I hate it. And I would set fire to the face of anyone involved in it. <laughs> Specifically to the face. For the face, I would properly... So Sorry, I understand you do the boom mic on Soccer AM. <laughs> Petrol in the face, lighter, up they go. And I go, I feel like just you you are complicit in one of television's greatest monstrosities. I mean... Now burn your face to death. This is the reason why I work with Stephen <laughs> Hill, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Because before we started this, I was saying with quite a lot of concern, I was like, I don't know how we're going to make an episode out of this. And you just cheekily said, don't worry, I've got a couple of things. <laughs> and yeah. it's, it's never boring. It's never boring. With never boring. I just, I, I, I hate Soccer AM. I hate it. I just hate it. I, 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 you don't like, you don't like music or football or culture. You don't like anything. Yeah, for people who don't like anything, yeah, I can I can see that Horrible. from the from the little bad that I've comedy, seen. bad mm. comedy, bad football, bad music. It's anyway, about, it's about beigeness, isn't it? I think I think from what I've seen of Soccer AM, people who like Soccer AM or people who watch Soccer AM like beige. Mm. Yeah, they are they are, and then Del Boy fell through the bar, yeah. and it's the funniest that's, that's thing in the, the funniest world. thing yeah. in the world. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, the Pigeon Detectives have played the show a record four times. Great! They were the best. They were the first band to play in the studio as well. Amazing! And I can't think of two things that feel so right together. You know when people go like, name a more iconic trio, I'll wait. The Pigeon Detectives and Soccer AM, name a more dull, risible, reprehensible, (laughs) shit duo. I will wait. I cannot think of two things that go together so well because they've made me so angry just at, at noth- their, their sheer nothingness as those two things. Yeah, pretty much. They're like peas in a pod. Um, they are. I mean, they are effectively the house band, aren't they? They, they are. They are the Fred and Rose West of culture. 
together. They are fucking, and I will happily be buried under their patio rather than have to fucking actually watch and listen to either of these things. And that is their Wikipedia page. That is everything. We have just gone through the Pigeon Detectives, pretty much their entire fucking Wikipedia page in quote-unquote history. Yeah, that's that's the history part. Yeah, We have a name... And we've been on Soccer AM. That's the Pigeon Detectives, <laughs> in a nutshell. Yeah. What kind of what kind of legacy is that? <laughs> so it's a really bad one, Renfrew. Really bad one. A yeah. really, really bad one. Yeah. There are people who spend their life dropping out of school at the age of fifteen, living with their parents and pushing trolleys around Sainsbury's, who have contributed more to the betterment of society. In, in a month than the entirety of the Pigeon Detective's entire existence. You're probably right. I yeah. feel I am. Yeah, I think you probably are. Yeah. Anyway, uh, no spoilers from what we think about the album, by the way, <laughs> on this episode. So um, let's get some actual factual stuff that happened to them as a band as well. Their debut album went to number three in the UK charts in 2007, and it went gold. Mm. I think we know where this is going, don't we? Mm. Mm. Guess who said nice things about them? Um, ooh. Would it have been the enemy by any It chance? was the enemy. It was. It was the enemy who said prior to their debut album coming out, they said they were the band most likely <clears throat> to make the step up to the main stage at Reading. Now, this is from the period when the enemy were happy to call any band with a floppy fringe and a leather jacket from Zara, the best <laughs> band since the Beatles or the best songwriter since Dylan or the most important thing to happen to society since the abolition of slavery. So why did the Pigeon Detectives get such meagre praise from the, from the NME, do you think? <laughs> um, well, it was 2007. Was it 2007 mm. when they said this? It was, yeah. Do you, was it? Did the pigeon detectives were they like third wave this stuff or second wave? Maybe end of second wave. Were they beginning to get a little bit fed up of it? Um, I, I don't, don't know. No, I mean, I guess it's after that Razorlight album that we yeah. did that kind of killed it. <clears throat> that felt like the peak, the Razorlight stuff. So I mm. felt like it was. I definitely feel like it was going downhill at this point. Um, but certainly, you know, they weren't shy on saying big things about the twang. No, true. Uh, there were a few other bands that they were kind of pretty keen on after that. But it does feel like, I mean, if I was the Pigeon Detectives, I'd be like, what, we're not even the best band in Britain for a week? <laughs> could it be that even the NME, even the NME could see just how dire a band the Pigeon Detectives were? Quite possibly, it's very. I, I was about. I was about to say it's really hard to get a whole publication behind a band with a name as stupid as the Pigeon Detectives. But then you literally just said the twang, and I was like, oh no, wait a minute, that's not a problem for them. Clearly, um, no. no, I don't know. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe they had. Maybe they had learnt their lesson and were like. We've said some things which are a little bit OTT in the past. Maybe we should, um, maybe we should give praise, but <laughs> in a far more um, chill, realistic, out, way. realistic yeah. manner. Yeah. And yeah. to give them credit, the Pigeon Tech Detectives did end up playing the main stage of Reading, did they not? I oh, know. Yes. And the why you should always trust the enemy. In what <laughs> but 
I was around this time. I was under the impression, unless I read this wrong, so correct me if I'm wrong. I thought that they said that the Pigeon Detectives would be playing Reading Main Stage next year, and then they ended up playing it in 2011. So they still got it wrong, if that's the case. Yeah, I mean, I'm happy to hammer them. <laughs> so, yeah, Let's not confirm wrong. whether that's true or not. Let's just hammer them anyway. No, but um, they did. They did. They did only give the debut album seven out of ten. Uh, which, it, I mean, from the two songs I heard, if those two songs are on an album, it ain't getting seven out of ten for me. <laughs> I can tell you that much. But that's uh, that's the kind of we know we know what seven out of ten means. Yes. Yes. In the music industry, we know what seven out of ten generally means yep. from a band who are kind of big hype. Generally, yes. don't we? Yes. Um, the Guardian gave it four out of five. Wow. The Guardian. There we go. Hence, why they needed Matt Mills to steam on in on his horse and <laughs> save the papers. Music thing. Matt's done a really good thing about Metallica. This is Matt Mills who writes mm. the Metal Hammer, who we like done a big thing on metallica recently just to give something just to mention something good in this episode i can't imagine um the pigeons detectives is to matt's taste though i have to say i don't know i've never really talked to him about this sort of mid-noughties indie landfill stuff but i can't imagine it's its cup of tea do let us know matt how you feel about uh (laughs) what you would have given if you could (laughs) i like the idea of him running walking into the guardian towers and going slamming his fist down on the thing and going I, this will not stand. If you're giving the pigeons to take this four out of five 14 years ago, I'm coming to sort this place out. Ship shape and proper and all that. Anyway, um, so uh, apparently around that time, they caught, they toured a lot with the Kaiser Chiefs. So fucking hell. Ugh, and followed uh, their debut album um, with uh, their second album, Emergency, which got six out of 10 in The Enemy and only reached number five on the UK album chart so the law of diminishing returns <laughs> just a little just a little tweak at first it's already it's coming good. into play just a year later because the second album came out only a, only a year after the first didn't it unless uh, mm-hmm. yes so uh yes yeah uh but they did play to fifteen thousand people over two nights uh, in their hometown of leeds i have to say renfrey i'm always amazed that people have this pull for local <clears> artists <throat> no matter how bad they are like, I can see why the Manic Street Preachers or the Stone Roses are so revered in Wales or in Manchester in both of those bands' cases because they seem to really musically inhabit and define everything about those places. But what is Leedsy about the Pigeon Detectives? What screams Leeds about this band that you would go, I'm from Leeds, and that, so of course I love the Pigeon Detectives because they're from Leeds as well? Uh, uh, absolutely nothing. No, no, nothing. I, I, I don't. I, I'm always amazed that bands get re- like. I suppose it shouldn't be really because obviously they would have broken their first as a local band and then gone into this sort of local hero thing. But it seems weird to me that if, if I were from Leeds, like if I was from Manchester, I would feel a sense of sort of residual pride of being like, oh, I'm from the place where Factory Records formed and Oasis became this huge cultural phenomenon and, you know, all of the Manchester and Hacienda and kind of rave culture was born here and isn't that amazing to have come from the city with so much culture and blah, blah, blah. And again, the same with Wales, same with Birmingham, like heavy metal was the birthplace in Birmingham and blah. But I, I, I don't think I would just hear the pigeon detectives and go, go on, lads, you've made me so proud to be from Leeds. I think so... I absolutely agree. As you were saying all that, I just uh, thought I'd very quickly Google bands from Leeds. 
it's very interesting what has come up. I mean, yes, I'm about to prove your point because not an awful lot very exciting has come from Leeds, although there's a couple of um, couple of exceptions. Great hardcore scene in the early noughties and probably still now as well. I think they do like Ghost Fest there as well, don't they? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there are some good bands that come from there. Surprisingly, none of those bands are on this particular list. But it mm. starts with Kaiser Chiefs. I, I mean, dull as fuck, but big. Uh, Gang of Four, okay. Mm-hmm. Alt J, Soft Cell, yeah. Sisters of Mercy. So we're five in, and then we've got to the Mekons, which does feel... Quite a drop. <laughs> quite a drop. The Mission, Eagles, mm. who I don't think I've even heard of, Gentlemen's Dub Club, Pulled Apart by Horses. Nice to see that. Yeah. Uh, send More Paramedics. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you not like Send More Paramedics? Oh, yeah, fine, I thought. I, I, maybe I'm thinking of a different band. They were sort of Creeper before Creeper were Creeper. I feel like I think I'm thinking of a different match. That's not really what they were, but anyway, don't fucking quote me on that. Interestingly, like the twelfth entry is "I Like Trains," and we were talking about how they are a tiny, tiny band. And if you just type in bands from Leeds into Google, they are you know in the top twenty that come up. So I think it's safe to say that in general, when we're looking at music in general, I'm sure there are little scenes here and there, hardcore scenes and so on and so forth. But in general. I don't think an awful lot has come from Leeds. And I think the Pigeon, De- the Pigeon Detective's not listed as one of those bands. Um, Dinosaur Pile-Up, huh? Uh, no. <laughs> no, they're not. Brilliant. That's hilarious. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm... No, they're the third one. You have to scroll three times. But yeah, they're, they're, they're probably like number 40 or something like that. Well, look at that. How the mighty have fallen. <laughs> sort of. Um... Anyway, they also had uh, they they show their their show in Brighton was filmed when they were toured their second album and was put out on the the channel Channel B, which is an internet TV channel owned by Renfrey. Do you know this? Tim Lovejoy from Soccer AM and Sunday Brunch, <laughs> one of the universe's biggest cunts. Again, I know I've already said it about Soccer AM. I'm going to hone right in on one exact specific point of that show and say I hate Tim Lovejoy. I hate him. I hate his face. I hate the fact that he doesn't appear to know that he's on television whenever he's on television. <laughs> Have they ever watched Sunday Brunch before? You see Tim Lovejoy and his like thick-headed mate who cooks stuff with him, and they're just chatting. And you're like, you know, this is on. You know, you're on TV, mate. You do know you're on TV. This is live, going out to millions of people, and you're there going, "Oh, I've just uh, knocked a bottle of olive oil over," and you're going, "Oh, yeah, oh, that's annoying. I'll clean that up in a minute." Oh, yeah, maybe you should. Yeah, this is on TV, mate. <laughs> You're actually on TV. Have you no idea that you're on TV? I think Richard Herring's been on it a few times. He listened to Richard Herring's podcast. Yeah. Yes. He yeah. has said like he he cannot believe that the show hasn't been cancelled because Tim Lovejoy seems incapable of even pretending for a second. Like he cares that he is presenting a live television program on Channel Four <laughs> because he's a useless, useless piece of shit. I hate Tim Lovejoy. Right. I, I didn't really have a strong opinion on him uh, before before now, but I kind of feel like I need to. Uh, just for the sake of this, in a weird way. I've just um, Google imaged him. There are images of him with dreadlocks, uh, which is quite disturbing. (laughs) Um, He does have a very... I mean, he has a very bland face. Bland is coming up he a does. lot, but he has a he's very weird, unbelievably. He's so bland, and yet he's, people go, "Oh, he's great at any Tim Lovejoy." At what? At what? He's not great at anything. He's just a bloke. He just he's just the most ordinary man, just yeah. kind of mum, mumbling around on television. And you're like, I, you know, I like the everyman thing. I mean, Michael Parkinson, for example, it's a fairly mm. 
normal bloke and he used to watch mm. Parkinson you go mm. but he just seems like a nice and he's a considerate interview interviewer mm-hmm. and he's and he's a fairly normal guy but something about Tim Lovejoy where I just think I would like I was going to say something really terrible then. I was going to say something really terrible. Like, it wouldn't be the most terrible thing that I've said on a podcast for a long time. So I'm not going to say <laughs> it. Because it would make me sound like a, soci- a sociopath. <laughs> and it involves me masturbating to a video of Tim Lovejoy being bitten by scorpions. Right? So, so I, I, don't, I don't really want to do that. You know when you say something without saying it? <laughs> Yeah, I'd like to see Tim Lovejoy pushed in a vat of scorpions and just bitten to death. I'd like to see that. I, I think that would, uh, <laughs> would actually sexually arouse me. Good, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Good. <laughs> don't we don't have a lot to talk about this week. <laughs> so we're, we're really having to, like chuck out some weird shit i'm afraid i'm having a little bit of problems breathing but that's okay great uh, good um, that's good what to say yeah sure good i've no i don't i i can't even um i have pictures of him in front of me and i'm struggling to picture him that's how i that's how bland a person he is I like i look i look at him and i can't remember what he looks like and i'm staring at a photo of him right now it's very yeah. surreal I, I, as I, like, I don't i also don't really know what he looks like he looks like he's been he's that boring he just looks pixelated i think you know what i mean <laughs> you think of like someone that's like he's just like he's just a pixelated blob of sort of man who shops at next that yes. is tim lovejoy yeah anyway he is awful awful um and that show sunday brunch i, I just cannot stand him or anything he's ever done <laughs> okay good to be honest can we send this to his agent or something and um that sounds a bit antagonistic <laughs> i'll fight him i want to fight him now i actually would be up for a fight with tim lovejoy we could set up a charity celebrity death match or just a death yeah. match let's face it yeah <laughs> it'd just be me in a boxing ring with boxing gloves on and tim lovejoy tied up on the end of the plank <laughs> in front of a vat of scorpions and I just punch him into them. And you desperately try to get your boxing gloves off so that you can get your dick out and wank to it. <laughs> yeah. Like anyway. <laughs> the Pigeon Detectives. Do, do contact us if you're interested, Channel 5. <laughs> <laughs> it's way too highbrow for Channel 5, that is. Get that on Dave. Um, in 2011, the band's third album, Guards Up and At Them, reaches number 30 in the UK album charts which I love. I love it. What a drop off that is. <laughs> uh, from, from five to 30, right? From yeah. five to 30. Quite a drop In off. In retrospect, the last decade, the, t- the, the 2010s, there were points where I was like, this is not a good decade, particularly for music. Mm. Not a good decade. But I tell you what, in retrospect, I think the second half of it was great. I think maybe I didn't quite get a lot of stuff that was getting super popular around the sort of first half of it. Mm-hmm. But in retrospect, I really like that decade. And one of the things I really do like about it is that we just dumped that shite at the start of that last decade, didn't we? It was glorious. Yeah. Glorious to sudden to suddenly be like, nobody likes the Kaiser Chiefs anymore. Nobody likes the Kooks anymore. Nobody likes the Enemy or the Fray or the View or the Hoosiers or Scouting for Girls 
or any nope you don't you're bye off you go see yeah. you later you are done we will we will if you try and release an album we will batter it we yeah. will fucking batter it yeah pretty even much even though it sounds exactly the same as what you were putting out six seven years ago we will fucking batter it and I actually love that it went as quickly as it came didn't it mm-hmm. you know that album still got six in the enemy fine right. um and then two years later we reached this record now having recorded the previous two albums with Stephen Street who is a big name producer um, and then going to record in New York the third album was recorded in New York the band decided apparently to go back to basics on that record that's what it says here anyway what that really means is you were no longer a band that anyone gave a shit about you'd wasted loads of money you didn't have any money you thought you were going to be a successful band for for ages and ever and ever and ever so you thought yes this gravy train will carry on rolling forever and then that album hits number 30 and you go ah oh, shit and you had to eat your pride and go and record in your bedroom in Leeds sure <laughs> and it amazes me that these bands really thought there was any kind of longevity in what they were doing I remember I, when I watched The Big Reunion which is a great show by the way the dude from A1 was on The Big Reunion going oh we were so massive in the 90s as of, like all the boy bands we were so massive we had people following us down we thought we were going to be the new Beatles <laughs> and it's like really how are you that fucking naive how are you that naive that you a boy band are going to be the new Beatles just an, an AN other boy band who were happened to be a bit pretty at that time no no not at all and I think there's a little bit of those bands that were like yeah ro-, you know Britpop rock and roll the strokes all that oh this, this will carry on rolling forever We've got it, lads. Don't worry, we've got it. And no. No. Everything's cyclical. Everything's cyclical and everything goes in uh, peaks and troughs and all that sort of thing. And it's kind of like, what is nice to see, it doesn't, like, this doesn't show any uh, sign of coming back or anything like that, thank goodness, at the moment. I mean, who knows, maybe another 10 years. Um, But yeah, yeah, as, as I said before, it disappeared as quickly as it appeared. Which it did, and this album, this album seems to be the point where everyone just went, nope. I mean, even the, yeah. I found the band's bio, and this album is the only one where they just went, it came out to mixed reviews, and that's it. That's all they say about it. Oh, wow. Literally say nothing about it at all. Um, so that probably means they didn't bother to hire someone to write a bio for them. Probably. Mm. Yeah. Um, so I was, like, interested to think, right, well, what was the vibe going into this record? What were the Pigeon Detectives trying to achieve on this record? Because you'd think, having dropped down to the top 30, you would have to have some kind of backlash and go, right, okay, we've got to knuckle down and do a great album. And I personally think, Renfrey, I don't know how you feel about this, I mm. think if you are unable to really express what you wanted to do and what the point of your album is, mm-hmm. then as an artist, I think you're in a bit of trouble. And I want to make a quick little comparison to show what I mean. Um, here are two quotes that I'm going to read to you. This is the first one. Crack the Sky is such a, dep- a departure from everything we've previously recorded in the sense that we kind of strapped on our aeroshells and departed from Earth for a while and then capped into the ethereal element of the universe and kind of slept on the roof of the world for a while to get a perspective on this record. Basically, we're exploring the ethereal world. We're dissecting the dark matter that dominates the universe in a nutshell. That is Troy Sanders of Mastodon talking about their 2009 album Crack the Sky. And I think that is a really, really beautifully poetic, interesting way of describing what is a fantastically complex record. That's a sentence that comes from a creative mind. Mm -hmm. Um, This is what 
the lead singer of the Pigeon Detectives, Matt Bowen, had to say about the creation of We Met at Sea. This album was a kind of a lot more, if you want a guitar solo, you've got to play the guitar solo. We didn't use any kind of technology and clever edits or anything like that. So it's a really honest record. What you hear was what was actually played. That's it, is it? So what was your album like? Oh, we played it. Well, that's a fucking very minimum requirement, mate. That you actually play your album. That you played your album. That's all. It, that's all. Well, what, tell us about the new album. Oh, we, we played it. That's it, is it? That's all you've got to say about your new album. And I looked through about five or six different interviews from this period. And that is all they have to say about their album. That is literally all they have to say about the album. Oh, it's an album. I mean, there is so little this band had to say about this band. It's insane. I mean, I just feel like getting a pizza detectives and going, you don't have to be in a band, lads. You aren't obligated to be in a band. Like, you know, you're not fucking working in a bank or something. I mean, it feels like such a fucking chore to them. The whole thing feels like they think being in a band is an absolute chore. It's embarrassing. Unless their biggest fan of all time has dirt on them. And is threatening them that she or he will come out with that information if if they if they stop being a band. That seems to be the only plausible explanation for the pigeon detectives. I think. <laughs> well, they are like they are criminals who are being held against their own will to make music, and they aren't inspired or capable of doing it very well. Yeah, this is kind of like the Shags, uh, but it's a crazed fan rather than their father maybe i mean do you know what it makes make it more interesting it makes more sense than you would imagine that it would because (laughs) i i mean i'm really struggling to understand the point and we haven't even got to the record yet so i'm going to read some reviews um this album has a score of 29 on metacritic based from four reviews which is not great the enemy gave it one and a half stars saying originality has never been west yorkshire's the pigeon detectives thing they are a band who stuck to the indie formula first concocted on their 2000 debut wait for me a record that lest we forget went to number three in the charts which was full of big hooks and tales of one night stands and breakups four albums later and it's more of the same minus the big hooks we met at sea is so generic it sounds like they've ripped themselves off and when frontman matt bowman sings it's not by chance we both know the moves to this dance on animal it nicely sums up the banality of we met at sea as whole uh q gave it one star saying that it fatally offers nothing to suggest the band moving forward diy magazine gave it one and a half stars saying lyrically it's definitely awful musically are they they are half competent or at least persistent there is a certain nobility in the way that they insist on making each song flow Uh, follow an almost identical pattern another bam 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 beat another scrappy guitar riff that hammers away like razor light never became the punchline to a thousand jokes and another vocal yelling at you by the third of them the words don't even matter it's basically just a man shouting this is a chorus whoa whoa (laughs) in one ear while indie landfill is shoved in the other um it reached number seven on the uk indie album chart and it didn't crack the top 40 in the UK albums chart. It went to number 41. So kind of well done, I guess. Nobody's got very much nice to say about it. Apart from one man, one man, Renfrey, decided to go against the grain. One brave soul who I found on the internet. So fair play. And I want to give a shout out to a gentleman called Steve Buttercase. That is a real name, Steve Buttercase, <laughs> who uh, wrote a guest review for a website called TCS. No, me neither. Uh, and he loved it 
and like all great guest reviewers on websites that you've never heard of before standing up from the, the from the nobility of bad bands his review is accidentally hilarious <laughs> uh, and i'm going to read it in its entirety Excellent. as all great art should be written read i'm going to i'm going to i'm going to read it all the pigeon detectives we met at sea this is the fourth offering from the band and a bit of a comeback album after the disappointing reviews for their last offering the pigeon detectives have nothing to prove live (laughs) (laughs) kind of not sure why you'd open with that in your review but fine quite simply if you (laughs) quite simply if you see them you will love them and as is so often the case with such bands they must constantly meet the challenge of capturing what is played effortlessly through valve amplifiers to a sweaty crowd and then recreating it for a series of three minute smartphone downloads so what he's basically done there at the start steve uh (laughs) steve buttercase is he has explained to the reader what an album is <laughs> yes exactly but in the wankiest language and and how one would write an album and then recreate said album in the live setting so that is what he's decided to use the opening paragraph of his review to do to explain to the reader basically the process of albums versus gigs <laughs> to be fair it does sound like one of my early reviews <laughs> yeah but yeah anyway So how did they do? Well, singer Matt Bowman is on impressive form and has managed to make his vocals sound lively and vibrant throughout, which goes some way to bottling what is most valuable about them, that live ambience. This is an infectious, lively and engaging album that comes across a little like an in-betweeners or skin soundtrack at times. That's not a compliment, is it? <laughs> well, no, no, uh, I don't that's think not so. A, that's not a compliment in 2013. No, no, it's not, is it? No, yeah. That's like getting a fucking alt-rock album that came out in 1991 and going, oh, it's a bit like the fucking It's a Knockout theme tune, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> isn't, it isn't it great? On Sub Pop. Like, that's a terrible thing to say. In 2013, you're honestly going, oh, it's a bit like skins. Fucking skins. (laughs) Anyway, so perhaps just a little bit passe as a result, but nothing terminal. So not only has he, he said, he's even sort of admitted himself that (laughs) it's not actually a very good thing to do that. When I score them, where I score them highly on is the level of authenticity they display. There are a few minor mistakes. Find them yourself. They're well disguised. That was a bit aggressive. It was a little bit aggressive, Mm. but they don't care. And this gives the whole record a cohesive personality. The whole has a sense of itself, but the individual tracks stand alone and remain fragment friendly for the iTunes world. I mean, he's wrong, but anyway, we'll get into that in a second. Scatter gunning, indie riffs, and tub thumping choruses. This album pulses like processed pops, slashed feral artery, and sprays everywhere. What a disgusting thing. <laughs> like, you're saying... That sounds oh, like a first date gone wrong. This, this album's brilliant. It sounds like someone bleeding to death. <laughs> like, what the, what the fuck? Is, if that's a death metal album, fine. Yeah, 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 yeah. Pigeon Detective album. <laughs> I don't want to hold your gaze because it would only make me fall in love with you. It's a lyrical example. You will be singing it in the lift or the car park. <laughs> Only two places you're in permitted the to sing. In the lift. I love singing in the lift in the car park. 
They're my two favourite places why, to sing. Why not the shower? Like, it's... No, why no. not the no, shower? The car park. The car park. I don't like you, Renfrey, but every time I go to get in the car, when I go through the car park, I'm always like, get up for the money, for the power of the... Ah, oh, Don Broco in the car park. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> I bet you look good on in the car, just prancing through the car park. I bet you look good on the dance floor. Oh, what a banger. This is it's a proper car park banger, isn't it? Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's a car park. Every time I hear a great song, I'm like, oh, this, is a, this is a proper car park banger, this is. Car park banger sounds like the name of a shit indie band. Car Park Banger is a better name than the Pigeon Detectives. We've just indicated just whilst doing this podcast, we've come up with a better name than they did. That's Car Car Park Banger. That's how what Stan Collymore gets up to. That is some kind of sex party. We're going to the old Car Park Banger this week. Still better than the Pigeon Detectives. Anyway, um, there is more to them than just poppy infectious tunes. Light Me Up is a joyfully uplifting, youthful song on the surface, but it does have a profoundly melancholic undercurrent that is just sublime. I Don't Mind is a poignant and creative composition, from, and from these lyrics come the album title. I also enjoyed Day and Month, and particularly No State to Drive, but even the tracks in, tracks in between were enjoyable and no less memorable. It is a good album, he says, trying to convince himself. And I, and I suspect that those who love it may very well have it as a soundtrack to many of their memorable life moments. You know, probably such as getting a lift, um, walking through a car park. Um, it does have scope and colour, but I wonder if it may suffer from being a little of its time. Wow, a little fucking five years after it's time more like and whilst i am definitely going to go and see them live and feel certain they will deliver i will probably be looking for a bit more of a step forward next time tracks to download hold your gaze light me up day and month no state to drive steve buttercase tsc online guest reviewer now i love steve buttercase (laughs) i love his passion and i love and i'm very very glad that he enjoys this record but i feel that there are other skills that Steve Buttercase probably has, and, and that maybe he's maybe more suited to other things than writing album reviews. Is that fair? He seems like a very friendly chap, and uh, I would mm. not, um, I would not um... kick him out of the car park. Would you? Yeah, kick no, him out of your, when you're having a car park party. <laughs> no, no. Even if he had a couple too many and was being a bit raucous, I'd, I'd be like, "That's all right. It's Steve." we're we're nearly at the car now (laughs) (laughs) um but no i think i think reviewing music maybe is not where his talents lie and Mm. not because not because we disagree with him because his review is it's very bad (laughs) it's very bad review quite a bad review yeah this this, Um, this isn't this isn't just two people going oh we don't agree with your review therefore you're a bad reviewer no 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 the review is constructed incredibly poorly (laughs) it really is anyway um steve buttercase there uh hopefully not the last time we hear from him oh yeah great on him have him on as a guest (laughs) keep an eye on his work also that that doesn't sound like the name of a real that sounds like the members of the pigeon detectives have gone everyone hates our album shall we write 
I mean, own it, do, it does sound like a suit. Yeah, and they go, yeah. what would be a funny name like Pigeon Detectives? What about Steve Buttercase? Yeah. <laughs> um, Although people think Renfrey Deadman's a, a pseudonym, much to my uh, chagrin sometimes, because I think people who write in pseudonyms are fucking idiots. Unless you're doing it for, like, political reasons or something like that. Uh, but, mm. yes, if you, if, you, if you review music and you write in a pseudonym, fuck off. All right, well. That's, that's you. Have you told Steve Buttercase if that, is, if that is your real name? Anyway, um, but we let we digress slightly. Uh, Renfrey, mm. what do you think about the pigeon detectives we met at sea? Um, well, for all of our quite blatant mocking of this band in the past 50 minutes um one thing it's been, was... <laughs> been quite long it's been a lot longer than i thought it would which is great I'm, i mean i'm 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 ecstatic about that in this particular case um uh, what I, I, what one thing i will say for it uh, of these indie landfill mid-noughties bands that we have covered on the show already and there have been quite quite a lot of them i'm gonna put a thesis forward uh, or an opinion more than a thesis and say that I think this is the least irritating of the lot in my opinion this album not the band right. as a whole but this okay. in, in, this this album is the least irritating indie landfill album we have had in broken records in my opinion um I don't think it's very good but I didn't think there was anything particularly offensive about it um I thought everything was fine it's fine about it. I was worried because I didn't think we'd have anything to say at all because like a lot of this kind of music, it goes in one ear and comes out the other. But quite a lot of it, you know, Razorlight I found really irritating. Um, Louis the 16th, 14th, 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 Louis the 14th, um, you know, had those problematic, like misogynistic lyrics and stuff like that. You know, uh, the enemy was just... Ugh, like like i thought i thought songwriting wise the enemy actually was quite bad songwriting um i don't i don't actually think this is bad songwriting i just think it's incredibly bland songwriting so i certainly don't think it's good songwriting either but the songs as songs and on as compositions and all that kind of thing they work they tend to have the odd nice melody here and there i think it'd be going a little bit too far to to, to describe them as hooks because i can't remember a single fucking thing that happened from this record to be totally honest i have a vague idea of what it sounded like in my head and what it sounds like in my head it sounds like tim lovejoy looks doesn't it <laughs> yes it's very fi- like it's... even when you're listening to it you don't know what it sounds like yeah yeah that's yeah actually and that was part of the reason why i was a little bit like god how are we gonna do this one um but yeah no that's actually a very apt descriptor i think um but it it, it, in a way that automatically makes it my favorite of these ones that we've done because there weren't uh i was gonna say many points but i don't think in in the 31 minutes that it lasts so it's you know very short as well thank goodness there was no point during it where i went oh i've can't for this fucking music i can't fucking say it just completely went over my head it was completely meh uh, was that your you could have ended that sentence not? after no point to, well no I was going to say you could have ended that <laughs> when I was listening to this there was no point I mean that's how I feel about it yeah. I, like no 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 I, I actually oddly everything you've just said about it 
makes me hate it even more to be okay. perfectly honest mm-hmm. because the that. first song sounds like in between this core and i was like oh here we go then this is the thing it's not bad it's just incredibly dislikable it's nothing it has nothing vaguely interesting or likable or worth listening to in any way it is the musical equivalent of two slices of wholemeal hovis bread some wafer thin ham and flora that is what it is. It's a, the most boring sandwich that you could possibly ever eat. Describing this album as a ham sandwich is not a terrible way to describe it, really. Yeah. But a, a, a ham then, sandwich with just butter and nothing else. Not no even butter, salad. flora. Yeah, just, just, flora. Yeah, just margarine. <laughs> yeah. yeah, margarine. Yeah. And the cheapest, shittest ham you can, ima- you can imagine. And then the first song ended and then it started up again. And I was like, oh, um, but they said it's called I Won't Come Back. And apparently, according to the track listing, those two songs are different songs, but they're not. They're not. They're the same song. I cannot believe they have basically gone. Oh, that's the same song. And then the third song again is the same song again. It's exactly the same song. I don't mean it sounds like it. I don't mean the elements are similar. It is the same song. You could not convince me that those that they haven't written one song. And just put it on the album 11 times. <laughs> the third song, Hold Your Gaze, does that genius thing where the guitar line and the vocal pattern are exactly the same. How ingenious, eh? <laughs> I mean, even if it were a half-decent guitar or vocal line, like Ozzy Osbourne does on Iron Man, for example, yeah. you could possibly forgive it. But yeah. it is nothing. It is legitimately <laughs> nothing. Um, Light Me Up is like the party one, but it's a party with some Bombay mix tube of pringles two bottles of fanta and music being played through an iphone 4 just rubbish <laughs> oh. absolutely fucking rubbish um what are you then saying about some... my last social gathering could do with some work there was another song that came after that and i literally forgot like i say what it sounded like while it was playing um and then a song called i don't mind started and it starts like the time warp from the rocky or picture show and i was like oh well what's going to happen here well i'll tell you what's going to happen nothing it's going to go back to the same song that they've been playing for the last seven tracks um and then they do they do do a bit of a slower one called day and month uh which is a bit slower and i was like oh you mavericks <laughs> and of course i absolutely expected halfway through the album for them to do a slow one and of course, yeah, of course. i've actually written this is what i've written as i listen to it as i'm making my notes of course, and I'm writing this without having heard the next song, it'll be back to the same pace and style in the next song, 100% guaranteed. There's a space. This is def- And then I put, yup, there it is. It's a bit more riffy than back to the same fucking nonsense again. Unreal. They must really hate themselves. <laughs> there we because, go. Because I, as soon as I heard, I was like, yeah, of course they're going to put a slightly slower one in and then go back to doing exactly the same thing, but they might just like have a bit of a guitar riff at the start. Mm. Um there's a song in it as well that appears to be about drink driving um oh, called no state that. to drive oh right yeah, yeah no yeah. state to drive hmm. we're going to the park you're scared of the dark but it sounds like some sort of kids tv show theme tune it sounds like fucking timmy mallet wrote it right but it's about <laughs> drink driving and i think it's one of the worst songs that we've covered on this podcast not the worst but one of the worst it is very 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 bad because it is about a really serious subject but they make it sound like Dick and Dom in the bungalow. And it's like TIE, like theatre and education. Do you ever do that when you're an actor, Renfrey? Uh, you have to go and do these awful, worthy, like, hey, you shouldn't smoke. And you'd have to take it around schools and do these terrible plays telling kids about why you shouldn't smoke. And they'd be risible, yeah. 
the like surf terrible melodramatic bullshit and yes. that's what this song is i managed to avoid them uh thankfully but yes i know exactly what you're talking about i'm sure most people will, will be too, aware yeah. of what they're talking about um I mean, I have to say, it's track nine on the ten-track album, and by this point, I was just sort of in a state of comatoseness, so I have to admit I didn't actually realise that that was about um, what that was about. Um, I don't know. I mean, does that make it more offensive? I, I, I guess there's a part of me which is like, well, at least you're trying. At least you're trying. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's so bad. I mean, it's yeah. just... I mean, what I will say, right, is that this is definitely the most one-dimensional album we have ever had on Broken Records. This is mm. the most one-dimensional album we have had. And yes, I include Metal Machine music in that, right? <laughs> For anyone who was like, what, in fucking... When it's just like a guitar left against an amp. Yes, even that uh, yeah. has more... <laughs> Sonic deviations than this piece no, of I, I, I back you on that. It does. Yeah. yeah. I think, although you can say it's not annoying, there is absolutely no artistry or craft or guile or personality to this music in any way whatsoever. And that I found so. I found that really, like, really bad. Just playing the literal same thing over and over and over. And trying to make it sound like quote unquote proper music. It's mm. awful shite. There is no room. There is so much music in the world. Mm. So much music. Mm. And some of it is at least unintentionally hilariously bad. Like Broken Side is number one, and that is a disgraceful record. A disgraceful record. But at least I there's things in it in my mind where I'm like, at least you did something. I mean yeah. it might have been terrible. It might have been absolutely terrible, but at least you did something. At least you represent something. At least your personality is on that record. This is, I mean, even compared to fucking shit like Razorlight. And the, I mean, you said this is your favourite one of these. I think this might be my least favourite one for the exact mm. reason that there is absolutely nothing, nothing about it at all. I think... I'm not even sure you can call this music. I hate to be able to call it, oh, that's not music. That's not even music. But I'm going I'm to Google the word music now, <laughs> right? I know it's weird to do that, <laughs> right? Bit. And obviously loads of things have, have come up. Um, music definition. Uh, vocal or instrumental sounds combined a way to produce beauty of form, harmony, and expression of emotion. That is the definition, the dictionary definition of music right now there's a bit of harmony on this beauty of form is there any beauty in this whatsoever in any way is there any expression of emotion on this album at all no none it it depends how like it depends how if you wanted to get very hippie about it and the fact that you have four or is it five four or five blokes in a room and they're all playing like this is not broken in the sense that the pigeon detectives can play and they are all in a room together and they are playing and they are playing in time and the music that they write works it's not very good but it works now if you want to get very hippy dippy and shitty about it 
yes, you could argue that there is a certain magic to that. But my God, if that was the criteria for us reviewing music on a normal (laughs) music review show, that would be insane. Basically saying they can play. I mean, Wargasm wouldn't be able to manage that. Um, (laughs) there, There are bands who actually wouldn't be able to manage that. Well, I mean, I would say, like, if you bring up the Shags... Yes, right? quite. Yes, who can't, yes, who can't exactly. play. Yes. Who can't play their instruments. But, as we discussed, we spoke about the Shags for a long time. I mean, yeah. this is the absolute opposite of the Shags. Because there is real, genuine emotion, and there is real effort, and there is real kind of pain and, and, and hurt, and there is this whole kind of world and story behind the Shags that... Yeah. Just because they can't physically play their instruments, that yeah. kind of doesn't take away from all of the other things that are going on here. But the Pigeon Detectives have sat in a room and they have learned how to play musical instruments. Well done. What they haven't done is put any, any imagination or any emotion or anything that comes from them as human beings into this at all. This is... It, I mean, it's it's just, it's it might be the most boring album I've ever heard in my entire life. It's so 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 boring. It is honestly the same thing going on over and over. It's it is, isn't it? It's ten tracks of the same thing happening over and over again. I, I mean, it's so boring. It certainly is ten tracks of the same thing happening over and over again. I'm just looking through the list to to try and see if there's anything that has been more boring one by, one, one by dirty vegas yeah one by dirty vegas would be would be one i think there's an there's an argument to say the enemy streets in the sky as well maybe um they're the two that i think are like mm, unfathomably yeah. dull <laughs> like i mean you know shit like viva brother and lincoln park and razor light are also very very dull but they're well. but they're annoying but, as well yeah razor light yeah. in particular um that because because yeah. razor light can write hooks johnny burrell can write hooks but they are extraordinarily annoying hooks and you can't and he, get he's really fucking annoying uh, he's yeah. so annoying yeah uh, he is annoying um i think this record is it, it, it's depressing is what it is mm. it's depressing this record yeah. i don't find this i don't find the shags depress i find it kind of upsetting for them as people but i don't actually find them like you know i don't find Corey feldman depressing i find it bizarre and I find it odd, and I find it intriguing, and I find it, you know, often upsetting. Yeah. But I don't find it depressing. Whereas I actually find the idea that you would get together and this is what had come out, I find that depressing. I think there's an argument to to say that the story of the Shags and the story of Corey Feldman is depressing. Um, yeah, but, yeah. I, I, it's a different sort of depressing. I know, depressing. I, know, I, know. I, I mean, like, you know, yeah, I think it's... It's 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 more upsetting. This is depressing, as in like, yeah. like God, is that all you've got? Yeah, is that yeah. really the sum total and extent of what is that? Mm. It. <laughs> I feel like our have? this podcast about this album is fifty is the most interesting. This podcast <laughs> that we've just done on the Pigeon Detectives is the best thing about the Pigeon Detectives' <laughs> entire career. <laughs> I mean, and that might sound arrogant. It sounds so arrogant, but I'm so convinced that it's true that I'm, I am, I'm willing I, I, to go, I, I go almost with it. don't feel like it is arrogant. I think if we'd have turned up and gone, um, how have you been, Renfrey? I've been fine. Oh, good. And then we had that little chat about the new Manic Street Preachers album. I still think that would be more interesting. <laughs> we had for three minutes before we started recording. 
I went, what do you think of the new Manics album? And Renfrew went, yeah, it's all right. And I went, yeah, it's pretty good. And then, and I still think that would be more interesting than the entirety of the Pigeon Detective's career. I think just the word Manic, Preachers and Street all put into a sentence together is more interesting than the Pigeon Detective's career, to be totally honest. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, before we rank it, I think we've agreed that this album is bad. It's in a boring. Lot of it's bland, we certainly both boring. agree. It's bland, boring, beige. Uh, utterly utterly dull i think we've responded mm. to it ever so slightly differently as a result but yes we definitely yeah. agree on the reasons why it's here and why it's bad so let, let's do the aftermath i think maybe this will like hammer home something else as well okay. uh, here's an interesting one in the aftermath of this album coming out in 2014 leeds united football club owner massimo salino joined the band on stage to play a cover of Jimi hendrix hey joe at leeds united's end of season awards now it's a bit of a football chat renfrey um so feel free to switch off for a minute and i'm oh. sure as Leeds fans, I'm sure, from being from that area, I'm sure the Pigeon Detectives were delighted to be asked to play at Leeds United's end of season awards. But Massimo Cellino, or Cellino, I can't remember how I say it probably now, is, I'd say, probably the most hated owner in the history of Leeds United Football Club. Oh. And maybe one of the most controversial and despised owners of a football club in the history of British football. Now, admittedly... What I will say, I mean, my timeline might be a bit fucked up here, but admittedly, I don't think he'd gone quite as mad as he would go at this point in 2014 because he'd only owned the club for about six months or so. But he was already going fucking mad because he is fucking mad. And like I say, maybe I'll get my timeline messed up a little here. Leeds fans, if any Leeds fans are listening or any like very strong football fans remember that period, um, feel free to let me know if you were already in a mood with this guy or if you thought he was great because I know the initial courtship he had where he was sucking up to Leeds fans um, a hell of a lot. But the Pigeon Detectives, now with that, are kind of complicit in giving a reach around to probably the joint worst owner in Leeds United's history. Peter Risdale and the Goldfish, obviously, was the, bit, the other one, probably more famous. But, but Massimo Cellino was fucking mental. And you let him up on stage with you. <laughs> so it's almost like everything they touch turns to shite, isn't it? <laughs> Is it easy to sum up why he was mental for a noob like me? Um, or is it not? Yeah, he basically sacked the manager every other day. Oh, okay. He'd sack the manager, he refused to pay the players, he'd get a new manager and he'd rehire the old manager. He'd sell. he was going to sell the club, he said he'd buy the club, he said he'd never sell it. Somebody would come along and try and buy it, he'd tell him, to, he'd tell him that he wanted you know, $400 billion to buy the club out. Then there was like, oh, you don't have the funds that you said you were, so you failed the fit and proper person's test, which the Football League makes people take. They don't really give a shit who takes over most of the time and he kicked off when they tried to like oust him uh and then he said i love leeds they're the best he just kept sacking managers all the time he was mad he was a mad he was a mad fuck sounds like king george the third he does yeah he does he does a bit yeah Mm. he was a mad mad fuck and i think by sort of when he sold the club in late 2016 2000 early 2017 Mm -hmm. i think i think people fucking hated him by the end because he was just a bloody lunatic i remember uh he sacked brian mcdermott who was their manager around this time and brian mcdermott he told the press that he'd sacked him but didn't tell the manager so the manager turned up to his press conference and went all right and everyone went you've been sacked and he was like no i haven't and they went no no you have (laughs) look it's on sky sports news you've been sacked and he was like well no one's told me so i'm getting on the coach and i'm going to the thing and then the next day he went, oh, no, he's not. he hasn't been sacked anymore. I've changed my mind. He's not been sacked. And then he sacked him a few, about a week later. And he hired some bloke who was basically like, 
called Dave Hockaday, or Dave Hackaday, or Dave Hockaday, who was managing on like about the twelfth tier of English football, mm-hmm. and had no right whatsoever to be managing a club like Leeds United. It would be like, it would be like me getting the job of like CEO at MTV like tomorrow. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Me like giving them this and being like, "What do you reckon?" And them going, "Yeah, yeah, definitely." Like take over. And I'd be like, just show old MTV headbangers balls for 24 hours. That's it. I mean, I'd like that. Uh, yeah. yeah sure. you know, hire Matt Mills um, <laughs> to sort this place out. People go like, you're fucking mad. What have you done this for? Um, not Matt. I think Matt, you'd be fine at MTV, Matt, if you're listening. Uh, so anyway, yeah, he was mad, Massimo Salino. And uh, the pigeon detectives got him up on stage and played with him. And played Jimi Hendrix and presumably ruined Jimi Hendrix. The two of them together. I can't imagine <laughs> either of them being able to do a good job doing Jimi Hendrix. Yeah, uh, they song. did release another album in 2017 called Broken Glances, which didn't get to the chart at all. It was released as a thank you to their fans. Oh, that's a bit of a telltale sign, isn't it? Sucking up to your own fan base <laughs> to desperately ask them to buy your crap record. And um, doesn't finally, even have an entry on Wikipedia, we should probably point out. Yeah. You know, no. Rubbish. Um, and actually, as we record, they're actually on tour as we speak this oh, week really? the Pigeon Detectives yes they are they're playing the Kentish Town Forum in London on the 18th of September which is about a week or so away after this podcast comes out uh, they're headlining the forum they are headlining the forum wow I mean th- is that yeah. surprising to you that's 2000 cap I mean I'm sure it's not sold out but that's that's surprising two and a half thousand cap Fuck. yeah it's um I, I, it kind of is and it isn't because unfortunately like I said when we did the last the twang the last one of these bands is these bands now can just go away and they can play they can still play they can still pull in a lot of people like a fair few people and I guess depending on the day the way the wind blows that day if people are kind of remembering them for whatever like I think um, you know we said the twang weren't doing so good at the moment but there are some bands who like who is it I saw who they played. They were one of these bands. I can't remember who it was, but one of them were playing. I, I was at the, I was at the baby metal gig a few years ago, and there was somebody who I was just like, "What?" I had a poster for them at Wembley, and it was like the Hoosiers or some or Scout of the Girls or someone like that. And I was like, "What? How? Wow. How is that fucking possible?" But yeah, they, um, those bands still, you know, no one gives a shit about them. And like I say, we don't have to pay any attention to them at all, but they are still kind of hanging around so yeah i mean that i'm having a quick look it's uh it's 24 pounds to see the pigeon detectors that's before booking fee and all that kind of thing uh in london you wouldn't pay wouldn't pay that would you? oh no 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 goodness me no and it turns out a lot of their fans wouldn't either because there are still uh stools tickets left and balcony tickets left and not only that but there are tickets (laughs) on resale websites which are being sold for less money than the they're actually worth so there's a lot of people who bought tickets less money gone, than they're actually worth well, yeah no, that's a bit so, so because what those tickets are actually worth renfrey is a is a minus amount so i <laughs> would say it you would have to give i mean <laughs> a, it, this would have to be lead review in metal hammer and i get paid like 90 quid to go <laughs> and see the pigeon detectives so uh, I mean, you're saying that they that people are going to pay you 100 pounds to go and see the pigeon detectives i mean they are less than uh they are being sold for on the face primary value. market right. face value okay. yes there's 20 pounds yeah. and 12 pence 
uh, each for some downstairs standing tickets on resale sites. Of course, there will be loads of fees for that as well, so it will end up being £1,000 anyway. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm de- I, it sounds like it's not been, so, been so, selling very well, and I have to say I'm delighted to hear that. I'm absolutely <laughs> delighted to hear that the Pigeon Detectives aren't capable of sending out the Kentish Town Forum. That's great news. I've and, just put um, two tickets in my, uh, in my cart, so... Uh, We'll, we'll okay. go to that. You're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna bop on down to the car park and <laughs> have a little sing song. <laughs> you and yes. you and you and Steve Buttercross or whatever his name is. <laughs> What's his name? Uh, Steve Hotcross uh, Butter Butterscone something. Yeah, mm. Steve Hotcross Butterscone. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I might ask if they put my name in Metal Hammer as Steve Hotcross Butterscone. I don't see why not. I do you know what? It's funny because I we think we should rank it now. And weirdly, like as I come to rank it, I do think looking at that Dirty Vegas, the enemy, Razorlight, Viva Brother area feels like the right place for it. But I have to say, before we do, because it would be outside of the top twenty. But before we do, I have to say, I, I've taken a real dislike to the Pigeon Detectives. I really, really <laughs> dislike them a great deal. I'm going to be objective when it comes to placing it because I do think. It's just boring. But I really, there's something about them that I really, you know, I really dislike them a lot. Mm. I dislike a lot of things about them. The Tim Lovejoy thing, I hate them for that. The Soccer AM thing, awful. The Leeds United owner. They just just appear to be surrounding themselves with the worst kind of people. And, you know, if you're, if it looks like shit and it sounds like shit and it smells like shit and it's surrounded by shit, what's it going to be? The Pigeon Detectives. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, weirdly, like, despite agreeing with everything you're saying, in terms of, like, how I feel about it, I, I just... You know, th- there's an argument to say that this is the wor- one of the worst things that you can say about a band or a piece of art or whatever, but after listening to their album, I feel no differently at all. I mean, I, I, I don't have a strong opinion one way or the other. Um... I think they're completely bland and totally and utterly inoffensive. But, I mean, like... That's what's offensive about them, though, isn't it? Yeah, Yeah. well, I suppose... Yeah, I can see where you're coming from. But I think there are other bands from this scene which I personally find more offensive than them, I guess. Um, I certainly think... I mean, we are on the same-ish page in terms of, like, where you're looking on the list. I think probably just outside the flop 20 is where we're looking maybe even in the mid 20s i mean i'm looking i don't know i mean the enemy streets in the sky feels like the most kind of the closest compatriot of this record the the album that started this whole broken records thing off it's crazy to think that that is literally that is at number 25 currently in our table um out of 50 so it's literally the, the album that started this entire segment of riot act and now a separate podcast is mid-table literally um i kind of want to keep it there so i'm tempted to put it under under the enemy for that reason alone i'm not sure if that's a good reason to do it but um i i do think that they are very comparable in that the enemy to me was just totally bland and completely like this is just in one ear out the other and this is exactly the same. There were a couple of moments on this record where I was like, that's a vaguely nice melody. I'm not going to remember it because it's not good enough or hooky enough for me to remember it. 
but you are capable of singing and writing a tune and that is better than some people on this list um yeah i think the enemy also have made have written material which i think is all right as well okay the aggro and um uh we live and die in these towns you know that's not it's not a great record by any stretch of imagination but they're when they come on i'm like oh i don't mind these songs whereas the pigeon detectives you know like i did listen to the first a little bit of the first album i was like this is abysmal like abysmal and boring and bland and terrible and worthless and so i think it's kind of worse for the enemy to release yeah. album like streets in the sky because it's like well you could have done something at least you could you could you're capable of a a six out of ten album whereas i think i don't think the pigeon detectives are capable of six out of ten i think they're they are do you know what i mean like there's nothing to even to rise them above the middle the app like they and um, they at, on their very great on the greatest day of their life when everything clicks into place on the most perfect and the chemistry is just right, the pigeon detectives could be five out of 10 on their absolute on, on literally the finest day of their entire existence. They could maybe get a five out of 10. I think you're probably right. Um, and I also think there's a sort of um, uh, poetic justice in putting this uh, it doesn't have to be exactly at the halfway spot, but maybe just under the enemy at 26 out of 51, which is essentially our halfway spot. That does actually seem to make an awful lot of sense with the argument that you've just put forward. Um, so that is feeling... So that would be in between the enemy and Emerson, Lake and Palmer, Love Beach, which does feel kind of fair to me, I think. I have just put it in there, Renfrey. That is where it's going. I'm happy to put it there because, like I say... Um... <sighs> It is undoubtedly my own personal... I don't know, they just... For some reason, the Pigeon Detectives have massively rubbed me up the wrong way. I suppose what we're saying here, though... I mean, sorry to bring this up again, and I might cut it, but this is the subjective versus objective thing, isn't it? Because objectively, yeah. you, you know this is just completely meh, but subjectively, that has pissed you off. And there are definitely bands who are super, super bland who would subjectively piss me off for that as well. Um, but I wouldn't be able to kind of put a reason as to why. So, yeah. okay. Um, yeah. I mean, I th- I think I if you like the pigeon detectives, I think I probably would hate you. <laughs> like, sorry. Um, something's come out of the hat, which um, you've got a cheeky smile a, on your face. I think a lot of people are going to be happy about this, Renfrey, and I think I think you're going to be happy about getting to relive something which I know you listened to back in the day. So, um. When I first came on the Metal Hammer podcast back in 2011, um, I reviewed this album and people said to me it's one of their favourite things that I've ever done, if you can remember about that. Oh. So next week, we're doing Rediscovered by Puddle of Mud. <laughs> so Puddle of Mud, Rediscovered, version 2.0. It's been a decade since I last listened to that record. Let's see if I've mellowed in the last <laughs> decade. I mean, it has literally been about a decade. That is wonderful. And I'm going to see just how close we are to doing <laughs> to doing a review of it. August the 30th, 2011, that album came out. My God. So it is. it will be just over 10 years. It will be. It will be just over... 10 year period since uh since that album 
was reviewed by me on the Metal Hammer podcast. And uh, I might refer to that <laughs> if I can find it. Uh, anyway, hey, it's old school next week. We'll be doing Puddle of Mud Rediscovered. So thanks very much for listening, everyone. And uh, we'll see you next week. <laughs>